Hey there, welcome to Souls and Hearts, Be With the Word. This week, really reflecting on the readings and it's really moved by the story of David. And it was really moved by the fact that God chose him, even when other people maybe seem more obvious. And then I was reflecting a little bit on my own journey. (laughs) And the gospel readings are about Jesus healing the blind man. And I think those are really powerful stories to kind of juxtapose, put together. And so I know that as um, when I was young and, and as a victim of abuse as a child, it was really difficult for me because I felt like I had done something bad, that I was somehow um, cursed wrong, hurt in a way that made me in some way um, an outcast. And I think that I carried that to some extent in my everyday life, you know, even going to school, feeling like um, there was just a big um, black mark maybe on me. And so as I'm saying that, I'm wondering if any of you can relate. I know all of us have experienced some kind of trauma in our lives, sometimes more severe kinds of uh, abuse situations. But I also know sometimes it doesn't take a big, a major event. It can be a lot of small events. It can be a lot of painful uh, hurts and wounds um, that lead one to feel like, you know, lead, leads me anyway, led, led me to feel unworthy, unwanted, not good enough, all those things. Um, so if you can relate to me a little bit, you might understand why I was really moved by this week's readings. Uh, because Jesus topples everything. He, he turns everything on its head. And so this man that was born blind, right? The Pharisees were very quick to say, well, who sinned? Was it him? Was it his parents that caused him to be blind? You know, and I think that people judge the victims so often. And victims judge, we judge ourselves. And so I was so moved then even to compare that to what, um, what is shared in um, Samuel, right? Where God says, I don't look at appearance. I look at the heart, you know? And so I know that as a kid, I, I received some kind of special grace. I just believe that. I know that when I went to church as a, as a kid, um, uh, I, I remember at times going on my own and really identifying with Christ on the cross and, and somehow just being at, at, at mass and seeing the giant crucifix. Um, I, I remember feeling that Jesus spoke to me, that he said, I understand your pain and I'm with you. And that word, those words were really just nonverbal <laughs> It was just seeing him on the, on the crucifix and just feeling that sense that he understood. And on some level, it was that level of understanding that helped relieve the shame. And it maybe took me many years to completely kind of unfold that, to recognize that the abuse that I experienced was not my shame. It was someone else's shame. And that it wasn't for me to carry and so there i was really moved with the blind man 
right? Because Jesus touches him. He knows his heart. He doesn't say that, but I, I know that to be true. And he took away his outward shame and he gave him his sight. And Jesus even accuses the, the Pharisees of, in a sense, being the ones who have sin because they're blind, because they are quick to accuse and blame, shift all that blame onto the, the victim, in a sense. So how powerful, how um, affirming, again, is God the Father in Christ in these readings to tell me, and I hope you hear that too. I hope you hear the message that you're not uh, to blame for the wounds that were inflicted upon you, right? And that when we turn to God and when we are willing to just kind of surrender to him and allow him to touch us, you know, literally Jesus touched this man's eyes, <laughs> but we allow Jesus to touch us, allow him to see, you know, as he does into our heart, that all of our pain and suffering becomes something transformative, becomes something meaningful, and is not our shame. You know, uh, as a therapist uh, who works often with abuse survivors, um, I'm, I'm so moved all the time. And sometimes I'm really frustrated too, because I'm working with people who have been hurt very badly. You know, so if you relate to this, I hope you'll hear this. But, and I sit there and I go, and I hear them blaming themselves, you know, and carrying shame and carrying all these bad feelings. And sometimes it's about feeling like God must have cursed them because he allowed this to happen. Mm -hmm. And that in some way I'm outside of the cycle of redemption and that I am some kind of curse or I'm some, I'm somehow to blame or, or what have you. And it breaks my heart. Honestly, it breaks my heart to hear that. And I just want them to join me right in front of that crucifix, like, like I did when I was nine, basically, and, and, and to feel his love and to know that he's there with you and that he cares and that your suffering is not in vain and, is not, and it's not what was intended, but it is something that can be brought to good. So thank you for listening, and I really am looking forward to joining Dr. Peter in our discussion uh, when we get back. We'll see you in a moment. Well, hi, Dr. Peter. Dr. Jerry, it's good to be with you. My goodness, you. I'm really moved by your introduction today, and like tears in my eyes. So I just my, my heart just very big for you. I'm uh -huh. really thankful that you are sharing all of that with us. And, uh, so Thank yeah, you. it's a blessing to be with here, with you here today and blessing to be with all of our, all of our listeners and our viewers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm hoping that I really do hope that listeners, whatever they've experienced in their lives will take something from what I shared and you know. will be somewhat transformative and not be so alone. Cause when I think about, um, that blindness that I was talking about as a child, like I was, I felt very alone in that, mm -hmm. you know, because I felt, you know, it was impossible. It seemed to me to talk to anybody about it. And um, so I was carrying it. And now I think about it, it's that isolation and loneliness that feeds the negativity, right? The shame feeds the sense that I don't belong anywhere. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like you were saying that burden and, 
you know, and, and we do take that on. I see that all the time clinically as well, um, where we believe that somehow we must have deserved, you know, what happened, mm-hmm. you know, and because it wouldn't have happened if we didn't deserve it. We desperate kids desperately want to want to believe in a just world, right? In a good world. And if and if they and if something terrible happens like abuse or neglect, they want to be able to do something about it. We want to be able to do something about it as kids, right? So we want to have that, uh, that at least the illusion of control, right? So yeah, we want to, we want to, we want the badness to be in us because then we can become good enough, right? Or we can become Mm. hardworking enough or whatever it is we think that we have to become so that it'll be better. Thank you for saying that. I really appreciate you saying that because the whole psychological element is, is fascinating. You know, I've often looked at it as, you know, your caregivers are supposed to be fully trustworthy. Mm -hmm. So if if I am five years old, let's say, and they're not for some reason, in fact, they're threatening that it's over, it's too overwhelming to believe that my caregiver can't be trusted. My means of survival can't be trusted. It's a lot safer, oddly, ironically enough to believe that I'm the one who's bad. Mm Mm-hmm. And therefore, they can kind of protect them in somewhat, on some right. level, and, right. and they can at least remain somewhat safe, even if they really aren't. Right. There's a, there's a, there's that, um, that hope that's based off of that illusion, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, if you think about the the existential position of a three year old or a five year old or a seven year old, who comes to the conclusion that his parents are like that deficient or or even malicious, you know, that's 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 more than could possibly be born, right? So there's mm-hmm. all kinds of ways that we accommodate for that psychologically. Uh, mm-hmm. But it has this tremendous cost of changing our whole identity, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't just go away with time. That's not a wound that time is just going to heal. It yeah. actually has, you have to have a new experience of relationship. Yeah. Um, so. And so I feel like the, these readings are just so exciting to me. You know, um, there's so much in them. And the theme of light keeps mm-hmm. coming up. You know, yeah. I feel like since Advent, and it's probably always been, of course it's always been, <laughs> But since we've been doing yeah. this show, it's like, it's, it speaks to me. Yeah, um, this light. I totally, I totally am on board with you on that. I, it's how much light is in the gospel, right? And of course, you know, we hear it all the time, right? The, you know, the light of the world and blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, it's really been coming through for me too. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, it's funny because uh, we were talking, I was sharing with you a little while ago, one of my favorite new hymns. I always say favorite new hymns because it, it changes all the time. <laughs> but I, I often have like a hymn that I'm like into right now. Right. And the one that I'm like into right now is Be Thou My Vision. And, and one of the things that, and we were talking about that, I think privately last week. And one of the things, I don't know the whole history, I should go look it up. But if, my understanding that it was written by a monk who lost his vision at some point in his time as a, as a monk. And if I'm wrong, people will correct me, I'm sure, but that's what I understand. And so he, when he says, be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, mm-hmm. yeah, be not... Uh, all else to me, save that thou art. Mm-hmm. He's completely surrendering himself to God yep. as a blind man. Yep. You know, and and letting God be his vision. And I don't know. That just the lines in this in in this uh, powerful hymn just just it, it just touch me because he says, I love the part in the second verse where he says, "Be thou my great father, and I thy true son." 
And again, you know, like the, two weeks ago, we I talked about fatherlessness and right. my own fatherlessness. And, you know, I, I moved to tears thinking about that because I know that God the Father has, it took a while, but it, he became that for me. Yes. And to yes. own my identity as a true son, it's just, it's just healing. It's just powerful. And it's just affirming. And, and it's my identity. And yes. so, you know, if you're listening, like, if you feel that way at all, <laughs> in some way in your life, I really hope you'll hear those words because I feel like that's the whole point of the Bible is that God wants to communicate these things to us, right? He wants us to know that we are his children and that we can walk in light. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's beautiful, Gary. Over and over and over again, as a clinician, I hear people like um, really struggling with sometimes even with despair, right? Over, mm-hmm. over the way that they see themselves, you know, the way that they, that they understand themselves. And think about this, go back to this image of this blind man, right? Blind from birth, extremely vulnerable in that culture, right? There's no, you know, there's no Braille, there's no, you know, his, his, his prospects for employment are limited to begging, very vulnerable. And then also believed to be a sinner, even by the disciples of Jesus himself, right? Because that, that mm-hmm. the gospel opens with who sinned, him or his parents. We want to know where, the, where to put the blame here, right. you know? Uh, and to be treated as a sinner the whole time, his whole life. I mean, talk about how knocked down and mm-hmm. how like rejected by society, you know, how, how friendless this man may be. You know, yeah. and I moment. love it. You know, it's funny because I think of myself a little bit, you know, when I was younger as being extremely awkward. <laughs> which is, I love that God says, you know, God doesn't just look at appearances. Like I was this right. awkward, you know, goggly glasses and pimples <laughs> and, you know, like you know, super thin or whatever. And just, you know, I was the biggest nerd ever. Like I, my escape was in um, books I was a huge Lord of the Rings fan, you know, playing games, uh, reading comic books. Like my escape was, I found worlds to escape into. So if you had seen me, you know, in seventh grade or sixth grade or something, you would go, whoa, this is like this, you know, scraggly little nerd, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and, and back then you could get beat up for that. <laughs> right? And so, right. And so, but when I hear the story of Samuel and I hear, and now, of course, unfortunately, not unfortunately, it's good for him, but David does come out and he's, he actually is apparently good looking. Right. Right. Um, and he's ruddy faced and everything. And yet, but God does say he looks at the heart. So I don't think he chose David because he, because he was good looking alone, because otherwise he could have picked another brother. Right. He chose David because he knew his heart. Right. Yeah, well, it's think hard. about David again, too, in that situation. He, he, he amounted to so little that he didn't even get invited to the, to the sacrifice. He wasn't even <laughs> there. He said, you, you go tend the sheep. Like, you're, 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 not, you're not even, you know, being considered for this. Now, it may be because he was really young, you know, right. um, you know, and Samuel was choosing the king of Israel. So, you know, big stakes here. Uh, and then, you know, in the next chapter, Samuel, it's going to, there's going to be the scene of David and Goliath, right? So, you know, and he was young then too. He hadn't grown up a lot between chapter 16 and chapter 17 of Samuel. So, you know, yeah, he's just like not even being seen. He's not even being seen <laughs> in that situation, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah, what happens yeah. in a lot of this. And one thing I was talking about that I was thinking about too, what you were talking is that it's not just about abuse. It's also about neglect. They're oh, yeah. not being seen, like the crushing, what, the crushing effect of what doesn't happen 
you know, in in life when we're little. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's powerful. I think neglect and abuse go hand in hand often, but um, sometimes there isn't overt abuse, but it's, it's just an absence. Like I see that even in, you know, fairly well to do families and they're, you know, parents working very hard, you know, providing, but everyone is so busy. There's a sense in which there's, there's a kind of emotional neglect that happens. And, right. Uh, right. Which I, which I find very sad. I feel like um, that's pretty common. Um, but can I bring up something? I just don't want to miss what St. Paul says. Yes, we definitely and, light and children of light. And, yes. and I love that. I can remember going back in the Advent. Remember we talked about armor of light. Mm-hmm. Remember that? And it was like, wow, I never really thought about armor of light. Armor of light. What is yeah. that? Like, that feels science fiction to me, so I really relate to that. <laughs> but, 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 but we are children of light still, right? So it's like, if you think about it, like we are shining from the in, inside out, you know? And because we're in his image and because we're redeemed by him and the work that he did and, and, and all that. And it says... I love this, that it produces every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth. Every kind, every kind. And he says, not only are we children of light, but he says, you are light. Mm -hmm. You are light. It's not just that we're children of light, you know, children of God, God is light. Okay, I guess we're children of the light. Now, children, you know, children, but also light itself, right? That is really powerful, right? Right. And then the quote of arise from the dead, like a Waco sleeper arise from the dead and Christ will give you light is to me, is just so moving. And, and then that's put together with um, the, the, the blind man. Right. So rising from the dead is like having sight. Right. When you right. were previously blind. So that's powerful. The other, other thing too, that I just, feel is worth mentioning because sometimes we don't or we really haven't talked much about the responsorial psalm like now in the if you listen to hear the word which is our new extra little podcast where we just read the readings if you're interested um we do read the responsorial psalm which we didn't used to do for be with the word uh when we were reading to you but if you listen to it again this is a psalm that we hear all the time or it's probably the one people are most familiar with the 23rd psalm but there are lines in there that kind of blow me away every time I hear them. And, and it might not surprise you, probably Dr. Peter, hear me point out, <laughs> even though I walk in the dark valley, I was so repeated. I feared, but nevertheless, I fear no evil. And here's the line, for you are at my side. And, and it's that, that's the piece. It's the connection and the attachment. You are at my side. And I love this because it is exactly what our church teaches all the time about suffering is that there are times when suffering will be get removed and that can happen. But there are lots of times, especially for abuse survivors where the suffering never completely goes away. You know, there's a wound that won't, you know, be maybe a lot of healing, but there's still a suffering that remains uh, in this life. But we, what we are promised is that we won't be alone, that he will be by our side in this world. And that's what this Psalm says to me, you are by my side. And the other thing that I think is so powerful is Jesus says in, in the gospel of John, he says, after saying neither he nor his parents sinned, he said, this is key. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. So I feel a bit like just why I was called to even open up 
this week, and I didn't really want to. Um, <laughs> but I did because of that verse. Because if any way um, the works of God might be made visible, and I know I'm a horrible sinner and, and all that, and I know that I've failed and made mistakes tons of times, and, and this is not, I can go to confession for that, not here. But, <laughs> but if in any way God, God can be made visible through this, for, through our work at Be With Word, I hope, he will, I hope it will happen. Because that is what we're called to do. Well, right? you're, you're being light right now, Jerry. You're being light right now to me. You know, and I'm sure to our listeners as well, because, you know, you're making good come from the things that happen to you by being able to share your story here. And that that is a precious, precious thing. I was also resonating with that exact same passage at the exact same time that you were bringing that up. <laughs> I was like, can we because I'm like, do I, do I interrupt? Do I go back to that? You know, it's like, there he is right there with it. You know, right. like that God only allowed those things to happen to you so that a greater good could come from it. A greater good could come from it. And that, you know, and part of that is being able to, to share that here, to share that here. Thank um, you. See, I'm honored by that. And that's, that's the other flip side. I don't like to, I, I, I feel it's hard to hear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have trouble taking that in. You yeah. have trouble taking that in sometimes that you could actually be light. Right. It's hard. I want to be, and yet I'm terrified yeah. of it at the same time. Well, we often are looking for light outside of us, but going back to the Psalm, we're in the dark valley. I mean, our Lord tells us you're in the dark valley and where are we going to find the light? We're going to find it in God himself and we're going to find it in those that are close to, to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the last part, only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life. I really do. I don't think he's saying that no bad things will ever happen. Right. I think he's saying that when you have surrendered in this way and that suffering, even though it will happen uh, or difficult things, it won't have the hold on you anymore. And then therefore also the, just the joys of life will also just be, have more of an impression as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people want to know how to get there. <laughs> and we're trying to, in this, you know, in this show, sort of say how that is. I think that is about surrendering. And that is allowing Jesus to love us in our pain, in our ch- difficulty, even when we're sinning, even when we're broken. You know, that something can happen where we say, wait a second. And we turn to him and say, Lord, I need you right now because I'm in trouble or because yeah. I'm hurt. And that's, I think, where the transformation happens. We, we want to scrub ourselves clean and then present ourselves to him. Right. We want to, we want to heal ourselves so that we, we are presentable enough right, yeah. to be loved by God. And it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. But for some people, that's really, really hard. You know, it's really hard to go to a God that feels like has abandoned us. Yeah. Right? That, that becomes like the, the real, it's almost like an autoimmune dis, uh, spiritual disorder, right? Because mm-hmm. it's the very thing you need is the very thing that seems like caused the trouble, right? right. The abandonment by God. Um, and, and I've run across this over and over and over again. You know, some, some people really wrestling with despair around, does God really love me? And if he really loved me, how could all of this have happened to me? How could this have happened to me? And what yeah. good could possibly come from it? Right. But that's where you going back to what you said about everything getting turned upside down. David, 
could, there was no way David could predict that later that day he would be anointed the king of Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no way that later that day the man born blind would know that not only would he would he would he um, regain his sight, but that he would witness forever in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. You know, Christ's love and mercy and goodness. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's an amazing turn of events. Yeah. But I think what happens is that sometimes we just get caught up in what we think we know. Right. We caught up in what we think we know and we extrapolate, you know, we, we, we make generalizations from our experience and we say it's always going to be this way. You right. know? Right. What do you make, uh, Dr. Peter, of the clay? That Jesus puts clay on the guy's eyes. I always find that fascinating. Like, so he spits into it, basically. Yeah, it's, it's very eyes. earthy, right? It's very <laughs> real, you know? Well, I, you know, I was taken back when I was reading it this time, which I don't think I ever connected to before, was that that's what Adam and Eve were made of. They're mm-hmm. made of clay. And um, so going back to, a, you know, the original material, uh, and also it's very, like, very immediate. Like, you were talking about that contact, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, that was just like, cause, cause Christ could have healed him from afar. Like he healed others from afar right? he right. could heal this guy from afar, but no, he wanted that closeness and intimacy. He wanted to be so close to him. He wanted people to see that he was not fleeing from this sinner, you know, this judged man, this condemned man on the side of the road. Yeah. You know? And um, then he sends him though to have then the clay washed off. Right. So, so he's got to, the, the man's got to take some initiative here. You know, he's got to actually make his way. He's got something that he has to contribute, you know, with his own autonomy and his own initiative, right? Jesus supporting that, right? So it's two things. A lot of times people in their recovery are hoping that it just all gets taken away, right? But God, because he honors that intellect and that will that he's given us, wants us to be active participants in that, right? So, you know, so the man has this opportunity to show that he believes, Right. And he goes and he washes and he sees and that strengthens him to give the testimony and to suffer a tremendous penalty to be thrown out of the synagogue was a horrible thing in, 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 in Israelite culture. Like you saw his parents trembling at the prospect of being thrown out of the the synagogue. Right. Right. They, they passed the buck to him. Why? Because he's got the strength to witness now. Yeah. Like so much came out of that blindness. Yeah. Oh, right. And like, so the whole idea that, um, I love that, by the way, and the whole idea that the Jews would have thought that the sin, that the blind man was simply sinful Mm -hmm. and, um, and that having vision meant your virtue, whereas Jesus actually turns that completely on its head and and he makes it really clear at the end of that gospel reading, um, where, where basically he's saying, no, the blind man is the, is the virtuous one. Right, the blind the, man is the virtuous one, and yeah. the and and the people who see are actually who believe they have it all. They right. have all the answers. They they think they see are actually holding on to their sin. Right, and that that kind of really moved me. Like it's just the whole idea, and that takes us back to all the way back to Samuel, where it says, "God sees what." Or wait, I want to make sure I, I quote he it right. Sees the heart, right? Something about well, like, um, not as man sees but as God, as God as sees. sees. Right. Yeah. So again, that God, God's rules are kind of different than human ones. Oh yeah. His ways <laughs> are not our ways. And you know, these are very unlikely superheroes, right? David, not even considered, right? He's right. going to become the King of Israel. He's going to become 
beloved, right? He is beloved of God. And then this blind man is like a superhero. Like he becomes like infused, not just with the physical healing, but with, a, I think, a spiritual healing as well. To be able to stand up, you know, unsupported, unsupported by his parents, unsupported by anybody else, and give witness to the Pharisees. Yeah. You know, really challenge them. And they're like, who are you? You, you, you know, you're born in, who are you? But going back to St. Paul, what St. Paul says is that, take no part in the fruitless works of darkness, but rather expose them. You know, so there's, there's the blind man exposing wow, hypocrisy. Yeah. He's exposing the rejection of the Pharisees of Christ. He's exposing, he's exposing their ill will, their malice. He's saying, you've, you've already asked me. Like, you know, and um, so it's like, wow, are the tables ever turned, you yeah. know? Yeah. And that can happen for, for us too. Yeah. No matter how downtrodden and how rejected we feel ourselves to be, we can come back from that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's only one sin, and that sin is that can't be forgiven, and that's 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 the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And I I really believe that that's when we give up all hope that God loves us. Mm. You know, and and we succumb to that. Yeah, that's the yeah. real danger in all of this. Right, we actually believe the lies you know, around who our identity, who, what our identity is, that we, that we aren't beloved, that we misunderstand, that we sink into the darkness. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. Well, I'm glad. I know that I have sometimes felt that way. Um, but overall, I think that I was given some kind of grace, right. To truly. I, I really, I, I believe that. I do believe that you've talked about that before. And I do believe that. And I'm not talking about when I say that we sink into that, that it, it doesn't happen from time to time. It's, right. If we commit to that, if we hold that to be true irrevocably, that we're unwilling ever to give that up, then God's not going to intrude and, 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 and force us to believe otherwise. And I think that produces humility, actually, yes. right? Because yes. we, we realize, wow, he loves me even though I'm broken, even though I've made mistakes, and yet he sees into your heart and, 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 and sees who you really are. Mm -hmm. and loves that and, and loves and, you anyway and yeah. that produces in my mind that doesn't make go for an ego trip that actually produces a lot of humility and compassion and kindness actually I did want to say that like when I was talking in the intro about um, working with clients who were so hard on themselves and who blame themselves or even saw themselves as somehow outside of God's normal redemptive cycle they've been chosen for mm -hmm. some kind of horrible punishment or something right um, those people are often the most compassionate and kind people I know. Not always. I mean, there's, everybody's different, but, but by and large, and, and it moves me again. I'm like, wow, how did, how can you be so hard on yourself? And yet you're kind and compassionate to others. And I feel like God wants to see right through all of that to open up the kindness and compassion for self in a, in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. human, but it's, it's the right kind of humility. Because mm -hmm. it's the right way that God sees us, not grand, not better than we are, not less than we are, but exactly right. who we are. Um, right. So, well, I think we need to probably move to our takeaways, right? I think so. Okay, action items for this week. Um, 
first of all, well, before I even say that, like, really hope that um, you're enjoying our show. We'd love to hear comments. We've received some really nice comments. Thank you, Janice, for your really kind comment uh, from two weeks ago uh, that you really like feeling like our show gets better each week. And we're really working on uh, on it as we've kind of retooled our, our show. And, and as you can tell, trying to be a little more creative in some ways, being more vulnerable in other ways. Uh, definitely, I think I was doing that today. Uh, so I hope, I hope Janice, you've enjoyed. But also, uh, please share the show if you know people that you think would benefit from hearing our message. Um, also, check out our courses because we're offering um, some new courses and one in particular on restoring uh, marriage after pornography. So we hope that you will, uh, if, you, if, you, if that applies for you or someone you know, please share it. Uh, it's also a great course for individuals who are thinking of getting married and want to do some personal work uh, to prepare for marriage. There's a lot of great marriage stuff in that course uh, that's just generally good, as well as how to overcome addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got some great blogs as well coming up, so we're excited uh, every week for you to uh, join us and read those. And Fly in the Wall, there's, there's, there's another Fly in the Wall that uh, yep. you can access. More recent one that is... A little bit. I think we're challenging on yeah, some difficult we're topics. Challenging some, yeah, yeah, that's all, that's about the the sex abuse scandal in the church. We're we're, we're heading into that with mm-hmm. eight of us. You know, having a really spirited discussion about that. Uh, so we invite you to to stay for that. And uh, we also have another course coming up on a Catholic's guide to choosing a therapist. Yes. Uh, so that's going to become live. That's a free course. Uh, so if you know somebody that is on the fence about that, or um, you know has decided to to find a therapist but doesn't know how everything you need is in that course. So, um, yeah. so, so lots of beautiful things coming, coming through. Um, and like, like, like Dr. Jerry said, you know, let us know what your thoughts are. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we're putting out some word on, uh, some polls about what kinds of courses you would like and what you'd like to focus on. Um, because we really want to make sure that what we're doing is meeting your needs. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, and check out Catholic Late Night if you haven't already. Uh, I'm, I'm on there. I just did a whole thing on addiction. Mm-hmm. And a few weeks prior, Dr. Peter was on that show. They're two young guys, great stuff. They like to reach out, especially to younger audience, high school students, college age you know, yeah. students and, and uh, had a great time uh, talking with yeah, them. Yeah, that's John Welch and Patrick Hannes. Great young guys. So I'm happy to happy to support them and they've been great at supporting us as well. So um, we're yeah. really thankful for the relationship there. All right. Our takeaway, our action item. Okay. Yes. Here it is. And this, I was really thinking about the clay of Jesus touching the person and how the body is important. And uh, we were maybe going to talk about that this week, but we didn't really quite get to it because in therapy, the body is important too. Uh, in terms of healing, we don't just work only on the mind. It's a bit of a mind, emotion, and body kind of thing for at least the kind of therapy I know Dr. Peter and I do. Um, but I, I'm asking you this week, I know it's Lent, and so you're probably giving up something, and, uh, and that's all good. Don't, don't, don't change that. But um, what can you do that's kind of an act of kindness for your body? How can you do something that shows that you are taking care of your body, maybe even helping your body release something or cleanse something. Um, And not just talking about sin, just talking about just holding on to tension, holding on to stuff, whatever it might be. And so, I mean, there's tons of ways you can do that, um, that might, you know, pick one that's appropriate to you or that might mean something to you. Anything from 
you know, uh, having a bath, <laughs> having a nice relaxing bath. I mean, for me, I usually just like run and shower quick and then run to the next thing, but to actually soak in a bath and actually just like let your body just feel the water, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a massage if that's an appropriate thing to do for you. Um, let your body be cared for. Maybe this wouldn't be me typically, but, uh, <laughs> wherever, but you know, having your nails done, you know, I know for, for, for some people, I know my wife, that's, that's relaxing for her. It, it, it wouldn't be for me. But, uh, you know, like something, anything that is about taking care of your body and letting, you know, let, and maybe in that process, not just noticing, you know, the body, but noticing maybe Jesus or God, like loving your body in that moment. It was what I was thinking. How's that sound, Dr. Peter? Sounds good. And, rec- and it may come up that you find that really hard. And if so, that's really interesting. What is hard about that? You know, what makes that hard? Because sometimes we dump a lot of stuff into our body. You know, sometimes we condemn our bodies in some way or other. And that's really common, again, if you're coming from a history of abuse. So, mm-hmm. um, so, um, so yeah, that, so the, any difficulties with that is we suggest these things. Notice what you're experiencing. And that might be something um, that gives you a direction upon which to work for prayer or if you're in therapy to bring it to your therapist or to, to work mm-hmm. on it in other ways. So. And I just want to add a little something too. It's occurring to me. Um, if for any reason, anything that was shared today was at all triggering for you or brought up some difficult memories or brought up some, you know, uh, child, personal challenges, really encourage you uh, this to go see maybe a therapist and talking to a counselor or a therapist about that or a trusted friend or, or whatnot, if, if you're bothered at all. The, our show is not providing therapy. It's not what we're doing here. We're just sharing our own journeys and trying to provide some education. But certainly reach out if you're looking for a Catholic therapist. You can go to catholictherapist.com. You can go to the Catholic Psychotherapy Association website and look at the directory and find a really good therapist that way. Um, and so just want you to make sure that you understand that too. Yeah. And we have actually a whole course coming out in the future on how to take care of yourself too. Like, uh, and that's actually another free course that'll, that'll come out probably in the next three or four weeks. So we're not far from getting that one online as well. So that's got lots of ideas about how to, you can take care of yourself as well. So, yeah. All right. All right, well, well, it's been a pleasure to be with you, Dr. Jerry. Thank you again for your vulnerability. You are going to be a tough act to follow because I'm on next week, <laughs> I imagine. So, um, so, so, but I really appreciate that. Thank you for that. Thank it's you. Honored to be with you. Thanks for your support. Love you, brother. Love you, brother. And thank you all to all of our, our audience. I really appreciate you being with us on this pilgrimage, on this journey. Um, and uh, and all souls and hearts exist for you. So we're honored and blessed to have you. All right. Be still. Believe. Be loved. Be loved. Take good care. God bless.